up and we, we take up an offering each service and we're so thankful. We've been debt free since before we ever started this ministry and it's because of Jesus. It's because of the blessing of the Lord and it's because we obey his word and I tithe and this church tithes. And in prayer tonight, it kept bubbling up in me that you may be someone who you've quit going to church because you didn't like the church or they changed towards being geared towards younger people or COVID knocked you out and you haven't been tithing and that really concerns you. It should concern you because tithing is the way that the Heavenly Father chose to support His Son's church. So you should be tithing. And the door is open right here if you want to tithe to this ministry. We don't, we're not lacking money. I don't get paid a dime, so I'm not asking for your money for me. But I'm giving you an outlet to tithe to the Lord through us. We have our website. We have our Facebook page. And the way to tithe to give to this ministry is on those. The post office box is 10273 Gulfport, Mississippi, 39505. That was bubbling up in me in prayer. And I just happen to have guts enough to obey what I think the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. So thank you very much. And if you are very concerned about your stance with the Lord, especially in church and not tithing, lock in somewhere, whether it's here or somewhere, and be a tither, support Jesus' church. And come here this Saturday at 7 o'clock and meet, listen, and learn through Jimmy Kellett and his wife Kristen. His wife Kristen has a ministry called Scars. Survivors carry a real story. In June of next year, we're going to have her come back. It's mainly for people who've been through a lot of hurt and they need help getting out, and her ministry is very powerful, and you'll really enjoy that, so you'll get to meet her too. Amen? So we're going to go into tonight's lesson. Amen? I'm teaching right out of Kenneth Copeland's book, How to Get Your Prayers Answered. And uh, we're on lesson number nine. We've been teaching this for close to three months. This book is tremendous. You can order these online. It comes with a, a, a DVD, a couple CDs, and it has all kinds of prayers in it and things that will help you learn how to pray. And the lessons are tremendous. They are through the roof good. And tonight we're going to look at hindrances to prayer. There's things that will hindrance us from getting our answers to prayer. And if we know what those hindrances are, then we can avoid them so that our prayers get answered. I really enjoy my prayer life because I get so many answers. It is just amazing when you know the hindrances and you do your best to keep them out of your life. Sometimes we want to just hold on to some of them hindrances and think that it's just, and then we realize I can't do that because it's going to mess me up and we let them go. Then the blessing of the Lord is right there to manifest. Hallelujah. Give you a little testimony. I was wanting a freezer and an upright freezer. We have a chest type. We don't even have it plugged in or anything because I don't like chest type freezers. You fill it up and on the bottom never gets used. You can't get to it, okay? And so I was wanting an upright freezer and I just said to the Lord, Lord, I really want an upright freezer. I believe I receive one in Jesus' name. And just kept my mouth shut while my neighbor was moving and he comes over and guess what he says? No, he said, would you like a refrigerator? <laughs> I said, I sure would. I'll take it. So I went over and got the refrigerator, brought it to the house, and I thought, seed, seed, <laughs> seed. So instantly I started saying, who can I give the refrigerator to? I've got seed. Before I already set in my heart to give the refrigerator away. So the seed in my heart is planted giving. Amen? And so I got a text from a relative. Do you know anyone or would you like a freezer? I thought, glory to God. And I went and got it yesterday. Thank you, Jesus. Or Sunday evening, I went and got it. 
So the Lord gave, come on in, it's okay. So I went and got it for you. That is such a tremendous blessing. Thank you, Lord. So that's our, getting our prayers answered. That's pretty quick, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. I mean, it was almost instant. You know, when I went and got it, I told them that I had just prayed for it. And, and I'm learning a way to minister salvation to people that is so easy. When we get near loved ones, it's like they're the hardest ones for us to, we call it witness to, or to lead them in the prayer of salvation. But I was in a, uh, a uh, service last Saturday of the Christian International Apostolic Network. And in the service, the person preached on, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Okay, and so the Lord took that in me and turned it to, This is how you can minister to people. The man was preaching on, Everybody in the world needs rest for their souls right now because of the wars that are going on, because of all the sickness and all the different things and all the hatred and all the stupid stuff that's going on everywhere. I mean, lawlessness is abounding to set the world up for the man of lawlessness. And so I realized salvation is way more simple than I've made it. And I started using this. And I used it twice that day when I came home. I used it twice Sunday, I think. And uh, so I learned to just say, with all the trouble that's going on in the world right now, I know you've got to be concerned. And I'm concerned for you. Can we pray together just to make sure your relationship with Jesus is solid? Because if something happens and we get taken out, I want to be sure that you make heaven. And no one has said no. And all I do is pray with them a simple prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiving us where we've offended you and not obeying your commandments. And thank you for sending Jesus to take our place in sin. He died for my sins. And he gave me a chance to be in relationship with you. And right now I say, I believe I receive him as my Savior. And I thank you for him as your gift to me to make sure I have salvation and I make it in heaven. And that is the simplest thing that you can do. Glory to God. Okay? If I was in sin, you think I'd be able to pray that? No. If I was angry and in strife, you think I'd be able to pray that? No. So those hindrances, those are two hindrances that we're going to look at. Those would have kept me from being able to be bold enough, courageous enough, simple enough, kind enough to pray with people a simple prayer of salvation and lead them. So for your loved ones, I'm challenging you. We're in the harvest. Let's reap the harvest and let's make it as easy as possible, okay? So hindrances to prayer. If there's one thing we could say that we have learned over the last three months or so is that knowledge of God's Word Knowledge of His promises is of utmost importance to help each one of us get our prayers answered. Knowledge of His Word. We must pray in line with His Word. Unanswered prayer is generally not the result of God's willingness to use His power, but more than likely it is because of hindrances that we allow into our lives and therefore they overcome us and they stop us from praying accurately or receiving our answers to our prayer. The Bible reveals to us the Lord's desire for us. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. We use our Bibles here. I brought my Bible tonight. I don't have my phone down here. Your phone is a quick reference. This is a Bible. Amen? Your phone may carry the Bible inside of it, but that is not the Bible. That is your phone with the ability to get to the Bible. 
This is your Bible. I suggest we never lose the art of turning in our Bibles. That's where the amen goes. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. Okay, Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Let's start at verse 7. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord your God. That's a big one right there. Okay, we can sometimes depend on other things, but he wants us to depend on him. Okay, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubians a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you did, not, because you did rely on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. And then he tells why he did that. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. So the Lord is looking for people who know his word, believe his word, say his word, and act on his word. And this king obviously did a good job till he came upon the uh, Syrians and, and he didn't, uh, he, he called on another army instead of God to deliver him. God wants us to pray and believe we receive when we pray and that he's going to act and help us. Amen? Because there are some very serious things that we can pray, pray about at times. I shared with you a very light thing, a refrigerator, a big deal. Who cares? It's a stinking refrigerator, a freezer. Amen? But I did get an answer to prayer, okay? But when we're dealing with people's salvations, we want to make sure that we're know his word and know how to say his word and pray his word with people so that they definitely 100% gain entrance into heaven. That's the main thing, okay? So in the lesson that I'm going to show you or share with you, we're going to look at some hindrances. And if we'll stay aware of these hindrances, then our prayer life will be a successful prayer life. Amen? We will experience joy in answered prayer. Remember what Jesus said? It's your Father's pleasure to give you that your joy may be full. Okay? So God wants us to have our prayers answered, that we stay strong, that we stay courageous, that we stay bold. The joy of the Lord is our... Yeah, so when your joy level's way up there, man, you're not scared of nothing. I was listening to a lady teach one time. She was preaching on evangelizing. And she said, whenever you evangelize, you need to spend enough time praying in the Spirit that you get drunk in the Lord and then go out with, by two by two or three people. And all of y'all are so filled with the Spirit that you're all drunk in the Lord. And she said, because when drunk people do things, they, they're, they're crazy. They're willing to do anything. They're just so full of courage that nothing gets in their way and bothers them. Like alcohol, I call it liquid courage. You know what I mean? They do belligerent things. Okay, so if you get a bunch of Christians together who are strong in the, in the joy of the Lord, then they're not scared to pray for people or to witness to people or to talk to people or to love on people. Hallelujah. It makes it a lot easier. Doubt and unbelief. Hindrance number one. We looked at doubt and unbelief. I think it was lesson four. But I want us to make sure that we are solid in our understanding, that there's a difference between doubt and there's a difference between unbelief. We have to make sure that we're clear on this. Why? Because we want our prayers answered. We don't want doubt. We don't want unbelief to hinder us. 
This is what doubt is. It's the thief of the Lord's greater blessings. And it keeps a man or a woman in a state of separation from him. See, God doesn't appreciate doubt. What did he come, what do we, what's Thomas's nickname? Doubting Thomas, amen. And when Jesus saw him, he got on him. It says he reproved him, okay? So the Lord doesn't appreciate doubt. He would rather you believe and die believing instead of doubt and survive doubt, okay? All right, so uh, some men doubt that there is a God. And some people doubt that he will perform his word in response to their prayers. And you know people do that even when they know the Bible. They doubt that God will answer their prayers, even though they've sat in church many, many years. I can say they've heard the Bible. If they know the Bible, then they're intimate with it and they're going to walk with it. But I can say that they've been in church many years and heard the Bible, and they still doubt God's willingness to answer their prayers. Okay? So as a result, they don't respond to the Word of God by acting on the Word of God, and that hinders God's power to be at work in their behalf because God requires belief. Amen? Sometimes this comes from an ignorance of God's word. For example, many people have the idea that God will no longer heal. They've been taught that or they think that and they think he is not interested in sometimes in financial affairs or something like that and so consequently their prayers are hindered. Things don't take place as they wish they would or as they pray they would. And the reason why they're hindered, it isn't because of the Lord's willingness to use His power, but because of their ignorance of what He has said about their situation, whether it's healing or whether it's finances. Unbelief is when someone has chosen to not believe or has chosen to believe only what he can see and feel instead. This is when there's a person who knows there is a God yet does not believe his word. And he may or may not even know anything about what the Bible says. And that attitude or that lifestyle will definitely hinder a prayer life. In order to push doubt and unbelief out of our lives, we have to take God's word and make it final authority. So knowledge of God's Word is utmost importance. And once you have knowledge of God's Word, you have to... That's why we meditate on it. It sort of increases our spiritual ability to have willingness to act, to say, to pray in line with His Word, okay? So when you give God's Word first place in your life, you must keep it there as first place and not religious tradition, not what you think about your situation, even though it may look hopeless, you can't give that first place. You can't give your employment first place. You can't give sports first place in your life. You can't even give your husband or your wife or your children first place in your life. We give the Lord first place in our life, and the way we give the Lord first place in our life is by our knowledge of His Word. We wouldn't even know God. We wouldn't even know Jesus. We wouldn't even know the Holy Spirit if it wasn't for His Word. Amen? When you say, I can go to the creek and get to know God. No, you don't. You get to know His creation. You may feel His presence, but you don't get to know Him until you know His Word. Because your knowledge of His Word is what He bases the level of your love for Him. 
Remember, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But then he said, if you man love me, he will keep my words. Okay, so knowledge of the word is very important. It takes effort to know God's word. It takes diligence to have a steady input of God's word into your life so that you have a constant working level of God's word active in your life. You know, there, I, I've, I've heard it from people. I've seen it in people's lives. They've, they listen to a CD one time. And since they've listened to it one time, they think they've got it. They've read through the Bible one time. So since they read through the Bible one time, they think, I don't need to read through it anymore. I already read it. Diligence, desire, determination, effort to have a steady input of God's Word so that you have a working, a constant working level of God's Word active in your life. Here's a few questions. What are you believing? What are you believing? Are you even believing God for anything? Like I was believing for a freezer. Amen? Are you even believing God for anything? Lately, I've been believing God for souls. Lord, I've got to win souls. I've got to lead people to salvation. I am not going to come before you empty-handed. I'm not going to come stand before you and have nothing. I do not want you to say to me, Tell me, my friend, what have you brought your king? I was scared, so I hid your word. I didn't know what people would think about me. I didn't have courage enough to tell anybody about you, Jesus. Didn't Jesus say something about if you're ashamed of me, I'll be... He said what? He said, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father and before his holy angels. Dangerous place to be. Amen? Okay. What is your scriptural basis for what you are believing for? And having a scriptural basis takes effort, and it takes diligence, and it takes work. Amen? It takes a lot of effort. So... Your prayers must be in line with the will of God, and the will of God and the Word of God are the same thing. The Lord does not will one thing and say something else. Remember, God cannot lie. So if it's God's will that when you pray, you believe you receive, when you pray, you should believe you receive. Amen? I mean, if Jesus said, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have what thing, yeah, what you prayed for, then when we pray, we believe we receive. You know how you get to the place where you believe you receive when you pray, when you've read that scripture enough that it's solid in you enough to where you believe you receive when you pray. Just to have heard that scripture isn't enough. Okay, so what we have to do, we have to refuse to be moved by doubt or unbelief and expect what God's Word tells you to come to pass will come to pass. Expect what God's Word says will come to pass if you believe and act on what it says. I think the Lord likes having the pressure put on Him of, I believe, I receive. I believe I receive. Thank you, Lord. 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 
I believe I receive. Thank you, Lord. That mountain has moved out of my life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay. The next hindrance is a lack of knowledge of our right standing with God. That is a hindrance to prayer, a lack of knowledge. A, remember I said working knowledge? You have to have a working knowledge. A working knowledge isn't somebody who comes to church, sleeps through half the message, looks around, stares in space, goes home, and they don't even do anything that was taught them, heard them, they heard, act in any way, but they do say, I go to church, I know the Bible, but they never have a working level of God's Word. A working level of God's Word is where you're actively involved in causing it to fulfill itself through you or for you. Amen? That's hard, isn't it? That's tough, isn't it? That's not easy to do. But if you love the Lord, then we'll do it. This is a great hindrance to prayer, our right standing with God. Most people don't understand what God actually did in Christ Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection. They don't even comprehend, don't even get a grasp of the hole Jesus made in hell. He destroyed it. He didn't make a hole. He destroyed it. And the entrance he gave us into relationship with God is so huge that it, you just, it's hard to comprehend. It passes understanding. I tell people often, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to start a relationship. You are God's creation only until you become part of his family. And the only way to become part of his family is through accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then you become one of his children. Till then, you're just his creation. 2 Corinthians 5.21. We're going to turn to these scriptures together, okay? I'm going to give you time, and we're going to look at all of them. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I just, I start turning these and I start looking at them and I think, well, let's back up to 20. No, let's back up to 19. Let's back up to 8. Let's back up to 17. Amen. <laughs> okay. Y'all got it? Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You probably have this by heart, which is great. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things were of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. We were out of reconciliation. We weren't part of God's family. And God brought us into his family by Jesus Christ. Okay? That's the only way to become a member of the family of God. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We're to be doing what Jesus did for us. Not giving our lives for him, but giving our lives to preach to others that God is for them and wanting us part of his family. To wit, or for the purpose, okay? I'll say it again. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, or for the purpose, that God was in Christ Jesus, or for this purpose. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So God was in Jesus reconciling the world. Guess who he's in now reconciling the world? In us. Okay? He wants to work with us. We are laborers together with God. Okay? We're joint heirs. So we're to be doing exactly what Jesus did. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. So they were doing their part telling them about salvation. 
We pray you in Christ's stead, be you, you be reconciled to God. For he has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, or that we might gain right standing with God. Right standing with God is it, God is the king of all kings. Jesus is that. And if we stepped into Jesus' court, we do not need to wait for Jesus to take his scepter of righteousness and point it at us and say, enter. No, we just walk right in. There should be a scripture that says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Everybody else in that room can look. If they're not born again, they can look at us and we just walk straight into the throne. Hey, Dad, this is, this is what I need. Hey, Dad, I just want to tell you thank you. And the Lord stops everything and gives us his undivided attention. Unlike we give him, he gives us his undivided attention. That is right standing with God. That has to, you have to have a righteousness consciousness. Not having that will be a hindrance to answer of your prayers. But when you have a righteousness consciousness, it affects your praying and it brings you into a place where you realize your prayer answer is on the way. It might take years. The reason it takes years, I found out in my life, is because what I prayed for is going to take a total change in my life to be able to live out and accept what he does in me and what I prayed for. Because if he did something to me that I, I, it's, I can come to me, but I couldn't, I didn't have the functional ability to live it out at that time. So I prayed it, so now he's working everything out. Situations, circumstances, jobs, family, everywhere I am, everything for that prayer to come to pass. Are you willing to allow him to change you so your prayer can be answered? Amen? Okay. Your understanding of your right standing with God is vitally important for your success in prayer. Your right standing with God gives you the right to approach God in prayer without a sense of guilt, without a sense of Sin and without a sense of condemnation. If you have condemnation in your life, then Romans chapter 8, verse 1, 2, and 3 is in effect in your life, and it does not say there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That does not say that. It says there is therefore no, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So if there's condemnation in your life, because you're living according to the dictates of the flesh, you're allowing your flesh to dominate you somewhere and you're not allowing your spirit to dominate you somewhere. And if you're doing that, letting your flesh dominate you, there's something in your life that you get mad about when someone pushes that button, you're in the flesh about it and you need to get rid of that stupid thing out of your life. And you're in condemnation. Hallelujah. That's a good prayer to pray for people who you know are in a homosexual lifestyle or a whatever kind of thing, Lord, show them the way out of this. Let them feel the weight of this condemnation. Let them feel that. Let someone get to them to teach them that they can come out of this pressure, this weight. That's why some people are so hateful. They live under that pressure of condemnation. When we're under it, when I'm under it, I'm not the best person in the world to be around until I get out from under it. 
Glory be to God. And your relationship, your right standing with God, if that will bubble up in you, you'll turn out of that thing that is causing condemnation that you brought into your life and you'll get out of that and the condemnation leaves and your right standing with God becomes dominant and you realize, thank you for your mercy, Lord. His mercy endures yeah, forever. Glory be to God. Okay. It gives you a confidence and there is a confidence that you experience knowing you are, you are good with God and knowing you will receive what you have asked for in faith, believing. I mean, when you know you're right with God, it just gives you a confidence of, okay, hallelujah, we can do this. We'll make it. Thank you, Lord. In Romans chapter 3, let's look over there. Romans chapter 3, turn left in your Bible. Acts, Romans, chapter 3, verse 21 through 23, speaks of our right standing with God. It says this. You got it? That's all right. Hallelujah. Take your time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know how I learned to turn to these scriptures? Want me to tell you the secret? By turning to them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. The more I turned to them, the faster I got at it. The only thing that would stump me once in a while is when I got a Bible that was different than mine and I turned to the page and I thought, that's usually right here on that page. And that. <laughs> Amen. Okay. So this is Romans chapter 3, verse 21, 22, 23. And we'll probably read some of 24. 21 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. In other words, right standing that became right standing with God without the, the problem of we've all sinned and we've all lied, we've all stole, we've all disobeyed our parents, we've all lusted after other women, which Jesus said, or other men, is, is basically adultery. We've all done these things. We've hated somebody at a time, so we really were murderers. Okay, all these things, and it says right here, the, the righteousness there... Uh, but now the righteousness of God without the law being involved. Thank you, Jesus. Is manifested. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. All the prophecies about that this law was going to be fulfilled and done away with, so we're going to be made righteous without doing the law. Okay, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of, righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus' personal faith is released right now to bring men into a place of right standing with God. He released his faith by acting on God's word and fulfilling all the scriptures about him, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and what he was going to accomplish through that. And so his faith is still actively involved. And remember he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto him. So we necessarily don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to draw people because He's drawing all the time. All He needs is someone courageous enough to share with them the salvation or pray with them about Jesus, receiving Jesus. Okay, So it says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all. So Muslims can get this righteousness of God. Hindus can get this righteousness of God. Tibetans can get this righteousness of God. 
Hare Krishnas can get this righteousness of God. It's for all. It's unto all and upon all. But how do you get it? How did we get it? By believing. Unto all that believe. So we're not asking anybody to join our religion. We're asking everybody to join in the family of God. And the way you join in the family of God is by believing. Okay? Unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. For all have sinned, all of us have broken a commandment, or all the commandments, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified, being justified is an old English word which actually means being made righteous in right standing with God freely by the grace or the impartation, by the impartation or grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So to receive this redemption, to receive this right standing with God, to get our mindset on this right standing of God, comes through believing in Jesus. And that gives you confidence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We read 2 Corinthians 5.21 already. And this shows that God is not imputing anybody's trespasses against them. They're already in condemnation. They're already in guilt because he wrote his laws in everybody's heart. Whether they acknowledge it or not, thou shalt not, each one of them, are inside man's hearts. So when they do that thing that is a violation of God's law, immediately the buzzer goes off, meh, meh, meh and they feel they've sinned. Whether they know that or not, they still feel it. I've asked questions to people. When you had sex outside marriage and you weren't born again, how did it feel? Well, it was wonderful till I got through, and then I had such a feeling of guilt. And I said, that's because God's laws wrote in your heart that you're not supposed to do that. So if you want to quit violating that law, then you need to receive Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit to give you strength to not do that. Okay, do you, are you catching it? Okay, so not knowing right standing with God causes hindrances to our praying. And when you and I recognize this, then it gives us courage to receive our prayers. Another hindrance is ignorance of our right to use the name of Jesus. This is big, okay? Ignorance of our right to use the name of Jesus. I'm amazed at the lack of knowledge that most people who would consider themselves Christians have concerning the power in the name of Jesus. Look over at John chapter 16, verse 23. I said, I am amazed at the people who call themselves Christians who lack an understanding of the power that is in the name of Jesus. I was in a class a while back, and uh, it was brought up, the name of Jesus, and the teacher said, it's just a name. There's millions of people called Jesus out there. The power is in the man who backs up the name, so the name Jesus really doesn't have any power in it. And a girl in the class said, not trying to correct them, not trying to be hard. I mean, they're the teacher. She said, I was a full-blown, 100% witch. Divination, all the things, curses on people, sent demons out held demons, and anybody even mentioned that name, we cringed. 
And that name was when we heard Jesus. We wondered whether they knew the Jesus who holds all the power or they were just saying Jesus. I was with a friend about two weeks ago and he went to witness to someone and they were sort of, they were somewhere else, okay? We were out of the state. And he said, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? And he said, yeah, I know Jesus. He lives right down the road. And he said, not that Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus, the Son of God, the one you must believe in to save you. And he said, I've heard of him. And he didn't want to go any further. Amen? That name, we must recognize the power that's in that name. This is John chapter 16, verse 23. Jesus said this himself. He said, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. So we don't pray to Jesus. A lot of times I know we mix our prayers up. Dear Lord, I'm asking you, but we go to the Father. He said, In that day, verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. His, I know I'm splitting air saying this. Christ is his title. And I, I'm pretty sure God recognizes in Christ's name. But his name is Jesus. Yeah. If I was on a football field and I said quarterback, then all the quarterbacks would look who were not even playing or playing. But if I said the quarterback's name, then only one of them would probably look and say, what do you want? Okay, that name means a lot. And the devils recognize the name of Jesus. Christ could mean us because we're anointed. Hallelujah. The old English term is anointing and is anointed. Anointed and is anointing. So Jesus said, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name. So a, a working knowledge, a understanding of the power that's in that name, that will give you boldness when you say, In the name of Jesus. It is command authority, whether you say, In the name of Jesus. As long as you recognize that you are saying it with the command authority that is linked to Him, having all authority in heaven and earth, then you're joining that power with your prayers. A lack of knowing the power that is in the name of Jesus is a great hindrance to prayer. Not in your name, not in your son's name, not in that name, in the name of Jesus. Why not honor him the way he says in the Bible to pray? In my name, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name. So it's in Jesus' name. That name is so huge. It is the word that emphasizes your access to the Father through Jesus' name. We gained access by that name. And it is because of Jesus' power and Jesus' personal release of faith that you have this immediate access to the Father. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Hey, man, he recognizes that instantly. And I'll say a lot about me preaching in jail. In jail, I'd stop sometimes and I'd say, in the name of Jesus. And that you guys would sit there and look at me and I'd say, when I say that, every angel in here just stood to attention. What's he going to say next? Do I have to do something? And every demon is standing there going, crud. He knows I'm here, crud. Is he going to say something to me? Is he going to say something to me? <laughs> Amen. I won't tell you the rest of what I used to do, but I'd use it a lot, okay? Because I have a working knowledge of the power that is in that name. Hallelujah. 
When you know that, it will remove that hindrance in prayer from you. Help you get your prayers answered. Look in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. That is the, that is the family name. I have the name Perisic. You know why? Because my daddy was Ned Perisic, Edward McCole Perisic. Okay, so I have his name. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Isn't it nice to hear these pages turn? <laughs> Silly old guy, huh? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, this says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, says what? For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the next verse? <laughs> of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So when the, the, it, we could call ourselves part of Jesus because we are part of the family of God. I think we are called the body of, of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Even though we're physically not his body, we are the spiritual body of Christ. So when I touch someone, Jesus is touching someone, and I have legal authority to expect him to work through me because he's working through his body. My name is linked with his name. Just like you got your name from your fa father, that name has been passed down to us from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And our Heavenly Father assigned that name to the whole body of believers. We are all part of the family of God and our name is part of Jesus' name. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 1, it says this. 1 John chapter 5 verse 1. Told you we were going to turn to him. How you like that? Pretty neat turning in your Bible, huh? Sort of a new experience, isn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I refuse to lose this art. I refuse to lose this art. I refuse to. I like going to my phone and getting quick references, but this is holy to the Lord. You've got to think how many thousands of years people read this by oil light, candle light, only could read it during the day. How many thousands of years they read the Bible. And we're going to throw it away for electronics. No, electronics is our benefit because the sin that we live in now, we need the electronics. We need all that so we have constant access to God's Word. So when we get violated by sin or something like that, we have immediate access to be able to wash that, the washing of the water of the Word. So we got access. I need a scripture, Lord. <laughs> Amen? Bubba, give me a scripture on any... any Y'all talk to Siri. I'll talk to Bubba. Okay. This is 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, then you're born of God. That's your prayer for family members when you're before them. Hey, can we just pray to make sure if anything happens in the United States, it's getting so bad. I'm concerned about all my family's salvation and I'm near you. Can we pray to know that our salvation is sure? Let's just pray together. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that He's my Savior. 
And I thank you, Father, for giving him as a substitute for my sin. And I am saved because of him. Nobody's scared of that prayer. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to make him a, a missionary. You didn't come and said a mission. Okay. Okay, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loves him that begat loves him also that is begotten of him. And by this we, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So we became a family member by believing in Jesus, in the name of Jesus, by believing in him. Unforgiveness and strife is another great hindrance to prayer. Unforgiveness and strife. This is a doozy. Hallelujah. Because we can dabble in this and play in this because our feelings get involved in it big time. In Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I never will forget the man who was pastor in my life for many years uh, called me and said, Brother, I'm out the hospital uh, and I want to share an experience with you. And I went to his house. He said, I died and the Lord took me to heaven. And, he, and bottom line of what he said, he said, the Lord told me some doctrinal mistakes I've been making that the church is not going to go through the tribulation. We're going to go through part of it. He said that. And he said, and, I, and uh, part of the rapture is what he talked about. But he said, I'm going to tell you what the Lord said is the most powerful thing on the face of the earth, and that's unforgiveness. He said, that can even keep his children out of excess to heaven. And he said, he told me that I'm coming off this bed, and I'm only going to have a short time, and I'm to preach. Get unforgiveness out of your life. I don't care if you're born again, saved, you've been for years. If you've got unforgiveness in your life, my heavenly Father will not forgive you, your trespasses. And Jesus gave Parable after parable about this is what my fa your father will do to you if you do not forgive. Huge. Amen? Okay, so this is Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. And when you stand praying, so we do that. When you stand praying, you're saying, I believe I receive. Father, I, I would sure like a freezer. I want an upright freezer, and I believe I receive it right now. When you stand praying, something in between there, big chances you're going to have someone offend you, okay? And when they offend you, you know what you have to do? You have to forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. Satan's designed the worldly system that when you open your big mouth and you pray, I believe I receive, uh-oh, attack, 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 get an offense to him. And Jesus said it's impossible, but that offenses must come. So we have to be people who are able to forgive. Therefore, I, uh, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have all against any, that your Father, your Father, your Father, also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Unforgiveness and strife are a major hindrance to getting your prayers answered. You can forget it. Prayer will not work without forgiveness. It's not me saying that. Jesus just said it. I can't overemphasize the importance of forgiveness. I know people do things to us that are really, basically, we would say unforgivable, but if you don't forgive them, you have just placed yourself in prayer jail and you're not getting nothing except wish you would get something. Strife and unforgiveness hinder your prayer life. 
And strife is merely acting on unforgiveness. That's all strife is, is acting on unforgiveness. Remember in James 3.16, he said, Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So if you have strife, you're envying. And if you have unforgiveness, you're envying. And if there's envy and strife, then you gave the door an open door and there's confusion in your life and there's all kinds of other evil works just chomping at the bit to get active in your life or in my life. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When you allow that in your life, when you allow confusion in your life, you give Satan an open door to just start running rampant and stopping your prayers from being answered. And unforgiveness is one of the most powerful forces. The most powerful forces. It is so dangerous. Anytime someone says something rude or unkind to you or even about someone else, you have to make the decision to not join in. You have to make the decision to not carry strife any further. I say this, I say this to Andrew, I say this to other young preachers who are coming up. I said it to myself because a mentor told me this. He said, when you preach a message or you do something for the Lord and something takes place, a miracle takes place and you get phone calls or people come to you and pat you on the back, that was absolutely wonderful, brother. You said, don't receive it because you'll start believing it and your head will get big. And you'll think, I preached a message and 93 people called me and told me how great my message was. And when people come to you and say bad things about you, why he thinks he's, I've had people tell you, he's a hypocrite. He thinks he's the best Christian. He thinks he's holier than thou. He's so good. Those things hurt. <laughs> I'm telling you, they hurt at times. But when people say bad things about you, don't believe it because you'll start receiving it. Don't believe it. And if you start believing it and you start getting in, unforgiveness or strife, then your prayer has just been hindered. And that is Satan's goal, is to hinder our prayers. We need a very, very successful prayer life. Hallelujah. So you and I have to make the decision to practice forgiveness and make practicing forgiveness a lifestyle. I forgive them. I hear Andrew saying it once in a while, I'm headed to Walmart, brother, and I forgive everybody in Walmart right now. I forgive them all, brother. I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. <laughs> He'll come out and I'll call him, how'd it go? I say, woo! <laughs> I said, how we doing? I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. Amen? That's what you got to do. Sometimes I have, I've had people in my life that I had to forgive a thousand times a day. And then it got to a thousand Thank you, Lord, for progress. And then it got a thousand times a month. And then a hundred times a day, a hundred times a week, a hundred times a month, a hundred times a year was being a good success. Amen. And then it finally got to where forgiveness was actually full time towards that person. Thank you, Jesus. You know what happened to my prayer life? <whistles> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I've learned. Forgive quick, brother. Forgive quick. Okay, a lack of knowledge of fellowship. We're almost done. A lack of knowledge of fellowship with God. This is a major one for people who go to church because they think they're okay and they're cool coming to church. I go to church. I go to church. And then they don't think of God all week long. They don't spend any quality time with God. They ignore Him, basically. How would you like to be God and you get ignored? Here's another one of my pet peeves. I say to a lot of people when I'm witnessing to them. If you and I considered ourselves best friends, but we never spoke, would we really be best friends? No, we wouldn't. 
Because you could say things to me that might help help me and might hurt me a little bit and change me, and I could say things to you if we're best friends that might change you and help you and hurt you a little bit. The wounds of a friend are faithful. So when the Lord speaks things to us, if we're in fellowship with him, when you're not in fellowship with him, when you're not best friends, you're not hearing hardly anything except what you want to hear. And just going to church doesn't do it. I'm not against church. I'm for church. I'm standing up here in church right now. Amen. <laughs> so, okay. Lack of knowledge of fellowship. If you do not know the importance of close, intimate fellowship with the Lord, you will not likely see much results in your prayer life. Remember, I'm teaching on hindrances to prayer, okay? You may hit on two of these things. You may hit on none of these things. Hallelujah. But we got them in us and we're learning them for the purpose of our prayer life being very successful. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said, pray. He said, it's your Father's will that you bear much fruit, that your joy may be full. Okay. The reason why fellowship with the Lord is so important and that you, He wants you to see results in your prayer is because if you don't see that, you're probably praying. If you don't have close, intimate fellowship with Him, when you pray, you're probably praying to some God who is a million miles away instead of your Heavenly Father who's right there with Him and listening with you. You're praying prayers like you've got to. The stupidest thing I've ever heard Christians say is we need to bombard the gates of heaven. The gates ain't even closed. And what, do, what good is it doing your prayers to get at the gates when you need to be at the throne where the Father is? Amen? Well, you think Peter at the gate is going to say, look, there's some more of them prayers. Uh-oh, there's a bunch of them. Somebody's bombarding the gates of heaven right now. Look, reckon we ought to take a few of them prayers to the Father? Nah, I'm tired of carrying them stupid prayers back there. Listen, still let the Father send some word to them so they know how to come boldly to the throne. Look at all of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Okay. We're not praying to a God who's a million miles away. We're praying to a Heavenly Father who is right here with us and He hears our thoughts. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes I on purpose pray thoughts. <laughs> I wonder if he likes that. Glory be to God. Okay. It is of utmost importance to set apart some specific time to be alone with him and to really direct your attention toward him. Anybody can say that they don't have time to fellowship with God. So they fellowship with God on the go. Why fellowship with God? Well, I'm driving in my car. You can do that, and it's good to do that. I'm not belittling that, but I'm saying if that is your amount of fellowship with God, then you really are cheaping Him out. I mean, you're talking about God. Not a God, the God. Heavenly Father. One of my mentors said this story like this, and I did it. I, I, they got dressed up. I went and got in my suit, my best suit. I didn't let my wife know what I was doing. I separated from her, sort of hid from her, because... Different reasons, bless her, Lord. Not Diane. 
I dressed up in my suit. I had some very specific petitions, and I went and sat down at what I would call my desk. It wasn't a desk. I never even had a desk in my life. My desk is in my garage. When Andrew comes over, we sit in the garage, whether it's 110 outside or 33. Okay, that's my office. And I, I sat down, and I opened my Bible, and I laid out my petitions before God. I laid out my requests before God as if I was going before God himself in my Sunday best, in the best clothes I had, my best shoes, my best belt, my best. I looked proper, and I went before him and prayed just out of, by faith, honest respect, giving him my undivided attention that you are God. You're way bigger than me, and you deserve me to at least try this once or twice. Amen? Out of respect. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so I'm telling you, just quick fellowship with the Lord while you're riding isn't enough. It's not good enough. You don't like it when someone only gives you passing thoughts of fellowship or passing thoughts of attention when you're speaking to them, and they're already thinking about what they're going to say to you, because they don't care what you're saying. No real attention. No real quality listening. It sort of is rude. And that's really what we do sometimes to the Lord. You yourself like recognition that someone is actually paying attention to you even if it's just for a few moments. If you just stop just for a few moments and give God your undivided attention. Can you imagine how he feels when you do that? It's like we feel when someone looks at us and says something that we know they really hurt us. And they really listen. You know what that is? That is real fellowship with the Lord. That will get your prayers answered quick. <laughs> or that will get you on the road to change so your prayers can be answered. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Okay. Fleeting thoughts of fellowship are about worthless. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Are we in 1 John? I know we're in Mark. Let's go over here and read this one. I quoted one to you. I'm sorry. I quoted James to you. And I said, we're going to turn to all the scriptures. We're almost done. We're, we're very close. Okay? So if you finish before I do, you can go ahead and go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. This is such a beautiful passage right here. I used to think, I wish I had one of Jesus' messages, even though we got a bunch of his messages. But John is telling us one of Jesus' messages right here. <laughs> if you ever wanted something to preach, just, just read this right here. Okay, this says, you, you there? I'm going ahead of y'all, and I don't want to do that. I want us to be able to see it. Amen? In your Bible. Ready? Hallelujah. Okay, this is 1 John Chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. That which we have seen. Isn't that neat? He said, look, I saw this with my own two eyes and heard. He said, I heard this, I heard this, I heard it, I heard it. He said, what I've seen and I've heard, I am declaring unto you. And you could put so after you, after the comma, so that you also may have fellowship with us. Okay, what's your fellowship that you have, John? Our fellowship is truly, truly our fellowship is with the Father 
and with his son, Jesus Christ. So John's saying, brother, if I got a relationship with God the Father and a relationship with Jesus, oh my goodness, my relationship is so neat and unique. And he says, I'm telling you this so that you can have this relationship I've got with God the Father and Jesus his son. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So when you get in close fellowship with God, your joy level starts rising. Remember what I said? If you'll get your joy full, you'll be a drunk person. And if you get drunk, you're willing to drunk people. So will say anything, do anything, talk to anybody, pray for anybody. So if you keep your joy level full, man, you're a good candidate for God to use. Because you're in fellowship with him. And he likes hanging out with his kids who like hanging out with him. Thank you, Lord. You were called for this, and I was called for this. This is why God made man in the first place is for fellowship. He didn't make man for to worship him. He's got millions of angels that worship him. He didn't make man to praise him. That is an act of your will. He made man to hang out with. So he's got someone on his level to communicate with. He made us for fellowship. And when your fellowship is right, you know what naturally happens? Worship and praise. When your fellowship is right, be in the middle of anywhere, and all of a sudden, I worship you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. In front of the cashier, she's doing your thing. It's, it's all uh, self-checkout now, so I have to say it loud. I worship and bless you, Jesus. I've got the money for these groceries because of you blessing me. Thank you, Lord. It just bubbles up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He didn't need man to worship him. He created man to walk with him and to fellowship with him and to enjoy him and for him to enjoy man. And fellowship produces reactions. If you don't have real fellowship with God the Father, you probably don't ever spend any time worshiping him or praising him throughout your day. Because worship and, and praising is a doorway to fellowship. You get his attention. Remember, he inhabits the... So you get his intention, attention when you start praising him. And when you start praising and worship him, then your fellowship is an open door of communication, listening to him, him doing things with us, okay? So it, it is real good to have close friendship and a level that is above just a, a religious activity of praise and worship. It's terribly sad to not have that. Your past is one more thing that hindrances you. In Philippians chapter 3, let's look at it. Your past is one more thing. Philippians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Your past is a hindrance to prayer. Or it can be a hindrance to prayer. It is not a hindrance to prayer, but it can be. Okay, listen to what Paul says. This is Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but the, the, see where it says, if you got the King James, it says this, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Okay, the, but is italicized, and I do is italicized, meaning it really wasn't in the original writing, but the people who put it, did the King James put it in there to help make sense of this. 
they didn't catch the spiritual meaning probably of it. So look, listen, this is what it says. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but one thing. So he's saying, I got, I don't have it down. I've got these miracles happening around me and I don't have it down. I've got revelation knowledge and I don't have all that I know. I'm just knowing part. I don't have any a hold on any of these things. It's like God only lets me know in part so I can only minister in part. So what I have, I give, but it really isn't everything there is to know. But he says, this one thing, I apprehend means I've got a hold of this. He says, I've apprehended this one thing, forgetting things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the prize, the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, my past, letting it go, I've got that down pat. I mean, could you imagine the people who came up to him even years later? You're the guy who killed Stephen. You drugged my grandma off to prison, and she was fed to lions. He had to hear that stuff over and over and over. And you know what he had to do? That man died. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Glory be to God. God wants me to reconcile these people to him. Christ is in me. God is in me. And his job for me is to get them in a relationship with him through Jesus. See, Paul had it down. So we cannot let our past hinder us in our walk with the Lord. Because if we let our past hinder us, Satan will use it to hinder your prayers. Because you'll think of yourself as a worthless, two-time, backstabbing, lying, cheating, deceiving dog. Amen? When it's gone. Amen? And the final thing is love in your home. You've got to have love in your home. Peter said this. I'll, I'll just quote part of it. He said, you need to honor your wives. He actually told wives before this. He said, you need to be a wife just like Sarah was a wife to Abraham. Submit yourself to him because he's the one who's going to answer and get in trouble. If he makes a decision saying, I think the Lord needs us to do this, then it's his problem, baby. And so Sarah even honored him and called him Lord, meaning you in trouble, brother, if this don't work. I'm clean. I'm out of it. But then Abraham, he says, giving honor unto your wife as unto the weaker vessel, that your prayers be not hindered. So we walked, I've told my wife this, we rule together. Sure, I'm considered king and you're considered queen, but you're not king. So if you try and live a life of dominating me, then you're wrong and we're in trouble. We can rule together and it's okay with the Lord. And if we find a place where we don't agree with something, you know what I have to do? I have to walk in love and give her the honor of being right or being wrong without it causing strife in our family. Because no matter what is going on in my family, I have to walk in love. Period. And what, whoever the dummy is on the other side, whether it's husband or wife, they're trying to get to by the Lord to help them straighten out, and I'm not their savior. I'm the one who loves them. And I'm to honor them and believe God at all costs. Thank you, Jesus. So 
love in the home. This mu we must not allow strife in our home. We can't allow strife in our office. We can't allow strife in any part of our ministry. When Andrew and I started this ministry, I came to Andrew and I said, Brother, here's one thing we're going to do. If we find strife in someone's life towards us in this ministry, we got to eliminate it right then. And we've had to do it very gently, and it took a long time before, but we had to eliminate the problem of division or strife or we're not big enough in some people's eyes as other people are big enough. So we have to realize we don't care how big we're on people's eyes. We care how the eyes that we're in. It's the same thing in our families, okay? We can't be concerned about what's going on. That is a very hard lesson to learn. And when we allow strife in our home or strife in anywhere else, that is where idols can get a hold to our life and cause, reap havoc in our lives. Stop prayer. They'll be hindering problems constantly. When strife is in a home, it is sometimes because there's an idol involved in one, or one person's life in the home, whether it's husband, wife, children, whatever. Wherever an idol is, it causes strife because they're wanting to pay homage to their idol that we know is wrong and it causes arguments and problems and anger. And where an idol is, you better get control of it and get your, it under your foot so your prayers quit getting hindered. That is a hard lesson to learn, but it's more important to avoid strife than to appear justified in front of your husband or your wife or your children. I'm right. I'm right. Okay, your prayers just got into you right there. Okay? Even though you're right, you're wrong. Okay, so, so you got to be willing to walk in love in your home. And it's not the easiest thing to do, but it is a must do. I've lived through these things, so that's why I can say these things, all right? Sometimes people are just rude. Sometimes, uh, whether it's us or our wife or our children, they're arrogant or they're conceited or they only consider their own way or they're lazy, or they never hear anybody else's reason. It's always, but you're not hearing what I'm saying. When really, you're not hearing what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, all right. So we must hear what we both have to say. And no matter whether we disagree with them or not, we still have to go in our home and walk in love if we don't want our prayers to be hindered. Some people think that this may be just scratching the surface, and if one of those is part of your home life, then you still have to walk in love. Amen? I'll give you one more thing, and then, and then we'll, we'll close. We'll pray. Discord or disagreement in any relationship, no matter who it's between, stops prayer results, and it invites Satan and his evil spirits right into the midst of you and you probably won't even notice it. Remember, James said, where there is envy and strife, there is confusion in every evil work. All right? And in, in Philippians, he said, let all things be done without uh, vainglory. Vainglory is empty glorying that is self-conceit, and conceit is excessive pride in oneself. 
So the importance of learning how to live without strife between husband and wife, parents and children, brothers and sisters is so important because the rewards of living strife-free or the rewards of living the life of love are way more important than what you consider to be important to you, whether it's your favorite sitcom or whether it's your time fishing or whether it's whatever stupid thing gets involved that you get angry at people when they get in your way while you're doing it. That is an idol. If you can't put it down, someone calls and says, I need your help so-and-so day. I, I can't come that day. That's when my favorite is on. And they need your help. There's no one else to call. I can help you the next day. If you can't lay something down, then you have an idol in your life that you're holding on to. When you're in harmony, your prayers are effective. Hallelujah. So let's ask, we test, 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 test. Brother Paul gives tests. Okay. What are some common hindrances to prayer? Someone spit one out real quick. We got to go quick. Doubt and unbelief. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Uh, what are some things that may have hindered your own prayer life? Here's time for confession. Unforgiveness and strife has hindered things in your prayer life? Me too. It's tough sometimes. The past. Thank you very much for listening. I'm telling you, we're learning these things. We're learning these things so that we're successful in our prayer life. Thank you, Jesus. How do you overcome past failures? Fellowship with the Lord. Amen? And putting them down. Putting them down. Um, I've had to say this many times. Nope, the blood of Jesus cleansed that out of my life. Nope, nope. Yeah, I did that, but that guy's gone, and I'm clean of that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's in the past, and it's under the blood. Hallelujah. Why is harmony in your home so important? Yeah, it's a simple one, isn't it? They get your prayers answered. And also, it opens the door for the devil to cause confusion in every evil work. Is sickness an evil work? Is calamity an evil work? Is things breaking all the time an evil work? And not getting your prayers answered is an evil work. I like getting my prayers answered. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's pray this together. Father, you have redeemed me from the darkness of this world. I refuse to allow strife, envy, jealousy, past failures, unforgiveness, or doubt to operate in my life. I ask you to please shine your light on anything that would hinder my prayers so I can make the appropriate changes. So my prayers can be sincere and my prayers can have great effect. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We love you and bless you. Thank you for your time. If you have never received Jesus as your Lord, today is the day of salvation. I'll help you. Are we still on, Andrew? I'll help you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. We've offended God by the things we've done in breaking his Ten Commandments. And you owe God an apology. An apology would be, Dear Heavenly Father,
I disobeyed my parents, or I've lied, or I've had sex outside marriage, or I've not taken one day a week to hang out with you, which would be going to church, remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy, and I ask you to forgive me for offending you. And also, God did something very good for you. Jesus did. He gave his life for you. He took your place and my place in hell, taking the punishment of the result of spiritual death or sin. And he did it so you can be free from that penalty of sin and you could become spiritually alive. So you owe Jesus a thank you for what you did for me. And you owe him to say to him, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as the one who saved me. And because I receive you, you have made me a child of God. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.